Yeah, speaking of parts of the body, that was excellent last week. Bruce, where'd Bruce go? He's somewhere. I heard him. He's going to get coffee? Probably. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Man, it's been hot out there, huh? Jeez. A little bit, little bit warm outside. So never mind. Let's get on topic. I was, I was about to get off. I looked at John over here and I thought, you know what? Let's stay on topic, John. So this week, <laughs> no bunny trails. This week, I want to continue a conversation about rest. Um, I've recognized in the past that oftentimes when I, you have a one-off sermon or a message on something, it's very easy to go, wow. Or maybe I listen to a podcast and I'm like, oh man, I need to change that in my life. And six months later, I go, wasn't there a real good podcast about something that I didn't do anything about, but I thought I would do something about it? But whenever I've hit, when I repeat and I hear things over again, I start going, okay, yeah, maybe. Maybe there's something there. So I just felt like I needed to teach a little bit more and us talk a little bit more about rest. Some of it's going to be a little bit of a rerun, or maybe, you know, when we're watching, you know, our TV shows, it says previously on. So we'll get a little bit of that this morning. Some of us weren't here is one of those reasons, but I think some of it too, it just needs to be a reminder. And God's also just been really, oh man, he's just blessing me with this study on rest. There's a really good book called Subversive, Subversive Sabbath. Have you read that before? It's fantastic. Like, I haven't finished it though. So I always give the caveat. Maybe he says something crazy at the end. Is it good? Can I say it? Can I? Okay, it's really good what I've read of it so far. Uh, unbelievably good. And that's been a, a big part of, of, you know, my study. But anyways, so let's talk about some of the things I mentioned two weeks ago and kind of interject some of the, uh, just some new things that the Lord is showing me. Number one is, Instead of showing a picture of someone last week or two weeks ago on a hammock, which that's nice, rest. I was sitting there looking at that lady going, that sounds like that'd be real nice right now, except for whenever it's really hot like it has been. This week, I decided to show a picture of some people enjoying dinner together. Because whenever we look at rest in Scripture and we look at Sabbath, what God had for the people of Israel, a big part of that was a time of celebration, a time together a time of community together. So rest, I think, includes both of those. There's times where we do need to kind of get away and be present with the Lord. There's also times in, that, in our rest that we need to just have fun and enjoy one another and be present to each other. I think that's a huge piece. Do you guys ever have people that you're with or you're having dinner with but aren't really present with you? I've called this sermon present, present rest because I think us being present with the Lord and present with one another is so vital. You know, maybe they're, you're like talking to them and they're like, you know, doing this and you're like, you have, do you know, I mean, you want to say it, but you don't. Do you have any idea what I said the last two or three minutes? Because you know, they're like, mm, I, yeah, I don't know about that. Or you ever have those persons that if you bring up something, they just go off on, it doesn't really relate, but off on their own tangents about themselves. And you're like, good Lord. Like you just don't, I don't love talking to those people and I'm guilty of doing that. I'm sure. I think usually it comes from people that get really excited about things. Seth, we probably do that all the time, don't we? <laughs> I'm looking right at you. <laughs> I probably mentioned kayaking, and he goes off about water or something, and we go on some crazy, crazy discussion. But I think that there's a very deep importance for us to be present with one another and to be present with God as we rest. And we're going to really miss out if we get, as we lo- looking at rest, if we just think about it as just chilling and not doing much. We're going to miss out on a huge piece of what God has for us, all right? So if you go to the next slide, 
this is where I'll start to kind of go back through a little bit of what um, we taught a couple weeks ago. And that is, here are the things, and here are some of the challenges to us resting, and that is, number one, a crazy busy lifestyle that we have in America. I was thinking to myself today, do y'all believe it's almost July? I thought to myself, June went like that. And then I thought, we're six months away from Christmas. We're halfway done with the year. I can't even believe that. You're ready to go. You're ready for Christmas. I'm ready for football season, so I'm kind of excited about a couple of months away from that. But I mean, but seriously, like I was like, man, this is going fast. And that's the, that's the pace that our society has. Next slide. On top of it being a fast-paced society, we are important people if we're busy, right? Like we have that belief, like if my kids are going to baseball practice and football practice and piano lessons and all these kind of things, we feel like we're important, right? And that's what our society has taught us. And we buy into it oftentimes because that, that, I'm just saying this as, I'm not trying to be grumpy, like Andrew, we're not trying to be grumpy, but I'm just saying the reality that if we don't realize this is what our culture does, then we're, we can just be caught right in the middle of it and go, wait a second, hold up, is it really great to be that busy, to have our calendar so full that someone's like, hey, I want to, let's come over to my house and we can't figure out a time for the next two months because every single Saturday's booked up, every single Friday's booked up, we're just busy, 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 busy. And it can be with important stuff as well. Like, I'm not downplaying that, hey, having baseball practice can be great for your family. Having singing lessons or piano lessons can be fantastic for your kids. But the, the frantic pace and the reality that we have this ingrained in our society, that if we're busy, then we're important. Next slide. Also, with the dawn of technology, we can never get off our phones. I mean, it's hard. You can't, I mean, you, gotta, <laughs> you can't get away from work. You have emails constantly, people texting you constantly, people calling you constantly, and all these things make it very difficult to rest. And I think that this is a topic that church does not talk about enough, and that we just kind of bought into this lifestyle, a frantic lifestyle. And even when I've talked about Sabbathing and resting with, with other believers, oftentimes I've been, it's been kind of combative. Like I've heard, like, well, Jesus is my rest, so I don't need to rest. I literally heard that this week. Like it was, I was having a conversation. Someone said, basically, man, Jesus didn't care for the Sabbath, didn't he? Did he? I was like, oh, good Lord. And I, I, I just, you know, all, I know. And I'm like sitting back, going, okay. Like I'm, I'm. <laughs> you know, when someone says something, and oftentimes I try to just be like, mm, okay, like unless it's, but then there's times I'm like, well, let's go. It's time to go. And we had a really good conversation. But I was like, actually, let's, anyways. But I heard stuff, I hear, you know, we hear stuff like that. And with all of these things swirling, it makes it difficult. And we don't preach about it. We don't teach about it very much. And so I just really have felt very strongly like we, this is something very, very valuable for us. Next slide, please. They're trying. I got it. You got it. Nathan's got it. I mentioned last week, two weeks ago, if I keep saying last week, then just forgive me, uh, two, weeks, two weeks ago, that as we're thinking about this, all this swirling and the busyness and all these things that we have going on in our lives, I'm always intrigued by some of the stuff Jesus says and does on Sabbath. Because there's different pendulums that we can swing to. One pendulum is this cold, rigid, you know, sundown on Friday, sundown on Saturday. You better not do anything. You better not pick up sticks. You better not do this, 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 this. The other, other pendulum is, well, we don't really care. We don't really need to rest, whatever. Jesus and his disciples are, you know, picking grain. Their disciples are picking grain. They're hungry, right? And two profound statements that he says. One is, I'm Lord of Sabbath, which I'll get to in a second. And two is, man 
Sabbath was not, nope, man was not made for Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. And I think that that is so strong because it reveals God's heart that he wants rest to be built into our lives. It is a gift from God, not something that we should go, oh, I guess I have to do that. It's like this, like right here, this, is, this community is a gift from God, not a, geez, I've got to go to church today. That's not God's heart. And part of, part of the gifts that he gives us, one of the gifts is a gift of, of rest, a God who desires us to enjoy what he has created for us and each other. It's so powerful and so important. And then when he says that he is Lord of Sabbath, thinking of being present with people and present with God, how can we really enjoy rest not being present with the Lord of rest, with the king, with our king? And recognizing that as we rest, it is vitally important that we're discerning the presence of the Lord. That as we're together, as we're alone, as we're taking time to rest, we must rest with Him. Why would we not want to? It's a joy. It's amazing to rest with God. Right? I love it. Man, He's just, oh, He's just so good. I'm, I thought about this this morning. See, I like to I do that so I catch y'all's attention. I'll just drink a cup. I thought about that. This is a really interesting fact. I'm just kidding. People do teach you to do stuff like that. I did not mean to do that, like pause for a moment to get people's attention. I don't, anyways, whatever. Um, this morning, what I realized, when I thought about Israel in the way that God, Paul says that God gave the Israelites the law as a tutor to them because they were like children. And as children, we have to be really, really strict on our kids sometimes. Do not touch the stove because they don't, when they're really young, they don't understand. If I touch that stove, oh my gosh, I'm going to burn my hand, blah, 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 blah. And so we have to be super, super rigid. God had given a gift to creation, which we'll talk about here in a second, back in Genesis, of rest. And because of man's stubbornness, God had to be like, no, you're going to take a day of rest, Israel. Though God's ultimate heart is that we would just join his heart in enjoying rest and wanting us to be a part of that rest, right? It's kind of like this. I bought a couple acres, a house with a couple acres six years ago. My, this is my thought, y'all. My kids are going to love it. They're going to be out there in the woods. They're going to be out running around. When I was their age, I would have been doing that day, I mean, every day. Come home from school, out in the yard. That's what I did, right? Jump on trampolines, run around with my friends, get on our bikes, ride through the neighborhood, at first, they kind of did that. Remember that, babe? They, had, they were out with the neighbors and stuff like that. Now, as they've gotten older, they haven't done it quite as uh, They hardly ever. They, uh, they go outside if their friends are over. They'll all go play something in the woods. I don't know what they do in the woods, except for light it on fire sometimes, like Jonah. Uh, if you've heard that story, uh, that happens. That happened. Um, but as I talk about that kind of play outside, Ben, we were talking about this last night. It's like, as parents these days, it's almost like we have to say, I'm going to make you go outside because it's good for you. That's, why do we want kids to go outside? Exercise, enjoy God's creation, don't stare at a screen all day long. Like, that's obviously not great for them to do that all the time. And, like, it's almost like occasionally we have to be like, no, you're going outside. There's nothing to do, you know, I'm every time, right? But what do I do? But we know it's good for them. See, God had to treat the Israelites like that. God had a gift, something very, very powerful for them. And he had to say, like a parent that had to be stern, you are going to rest now. But see, what our hearts are 
is I wish that my kids loved to play outside just to enjoy the creation of God, to enjoy friends, to enjoy family, to hang out, to, to get exercise. And I believe that that's God's heart that I want to connect with. Next slide. Another thing that Jesus did on Sabbath that I didn't mention last time was he healed all the time on Sabbath, <laughs> which, brings, which reveals so much about the character of God. Number one, it, does, it reveals that there cannot be such rig, rigidity. Is that the right word? We can't be so rigid that if someone calls and goes, hey, hey, Deborah, um, so-and-so needs to go to the hospital, and you're like, well, I'm just taking my day of rest. They can just bleed out, I guess. <laughs> you can find somebody else. I don't, I don't think that that's God's heart. <laughs> but I also believe that as I've read through it, it really points toward God's desire to bring healing on Sabbath. Like that if we, as we rest and our bodies rest physically, spiritually, emotionally, it brings us healing. It delivers us. It, it, it resets us, you know. But it's so hard to do. It really is, because I'm, I'm sitting back thinking, like, some of us work five, six days a week, and, we, and then when we get home and we have the weekend, what do we need to do? We've got to mow the yard. We've got, there's, I mean, this is easy to preach about, <laughs> but when it comes to the practicalities, it can be a challenge, but I think it has to be something that we're serious about. I really do. That we, I think about, you know, my wife who does laundry and all kinds of stuff, and, like, how hard is it for her to take a day to say, I'm not going to do that. Anyone else relate? Like that's, she does a lot of work. <laughs> constant. Constant work. And to say, you know what? We're, I'm going to take a day where I'm not going to do the laundry. I'm not going to cook. We're going to order takeout or we're going to do something else. And I'm just going to rest and spend time with my family. I'm going to discern the presence of God and I'm going to talk to the Lord and I'm going to recognize this. Guys, this is super healthy for us. I just, I just, I, su- I, I completely believe that. Next slide. I'll remind, the last th- uh, I'll remind also that last week, God commands Israel to delight in Sabbath. Delight. Guys, it's his heart. It's a gift. It's a delight. And when we delight in the Sabbath and we don't speak idle words, it says you'll find your joy. Like I think some of us have lost our joy in the frantic pace of life, and we just need to relax. When I went uh, on vacation two weeks ago, without kids was so good. I love my kids, but I mean... I can't, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed just being with friends and my wife on, on vacation. But it was a time for me to like just listen to God more. And it was beautiful. I really felt like God kind of shared a lot of things with me while I was on vacation. But it took me resting. It took me taking time intentionally to rest. Next slide. For those of us who were saying, yes, but John, that was in the law and we don't need to rest and all these things, I would just bring us back to creation again, like we did a couple weeks ago, and remind us that creation does not climax at man's creation on day six, but it does on day seven when God looks at all of creation. He looks at the birds, he looks at the plants, he looks at all this and says, sits down and rests. And Adam and Eve's first day was a day of rest, was a time to enjoy what God created. And see, I just see the Father, like us and our kids, us wanting them to go play outside, and we're just like, no, but we don't want to. But God's like, I created you. You need to rest, and you need to rest in me. And sometimes, like stubborn children, we just refuse. Like, "Ah, I'm not going to do it. I don't really want to do that. 
Kind of like when you think about the individualism that we have, like Andrew was talking about, just that idea of, yeah, but I don't want to. But it was made. It was made for us. Go to the next slide. It was not made only for us, y'all. And I didn't talk about this um, last week, two weeks ago. Next slide. There it is. I used to have a clicker, but it would have all kinds of problems, so I'd rather just say next slide. Jesus, Jesus, God commands the Israelites, six, day, six, days, six days you shall do no work, but on the seventh day you shall rest so that your ox and your donkey may have relief and your homeborn slave and your resident alien may be refreshed. God not only cares for me, because we could get really hyper-focused on myself and I need to rest and stuff. No, God cares about the animals. God, God says your oxen are going to wear out this is just how he's created the universe. I believe and I submit to you that he's created the universe with a need for us to rest. And he's created a rhythm that at least once a week we need to learn how to rest and then allow that rest to fuel day in and day out and we learn how to rest all the time. That doesn't mean that we get lazy and decide to not do anything. Well, I'm just going to I'm going to enjoy the Lord's rest and me and him are going to pray together. And uh, I'm going to quit my job. The word commends hard work. And I, com- I think that we are called to work well and rest well. I really, really believe that. I really believe that. And think of what this reveals of God's heart to any slaves that Israel had. Any resident aliens, non-Jewish, non-Israelites, that their God would say, uh-uh, you are going to make them rest as well. You're going to let them rest as well. It's not just for you. That God had invited aliens, other co- uh, people from other places, to enjoy his Sabbath rest. I, man, that's, um, to me, that's just incredible. That God cares for all of this. And that rhythm is built in. Man, let us not be stubborn in this. Next slide, please. I wanted to touch on this aspect of it real quick. Because I, I don't know if I gave enough time last a uh, couple weeks ago. And that is that as we Sabbath and as we're present with God and present with people, it also teaches us to learn how to trust in him and not ourselves only. Because that, that, that can be a big piece to our run, wanting to run, 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 gun. Us going, well, I've got to work, I've got to do this, I've got to do this so that I can provide for myself. But whenever the Israelites complained about having, they were hungry. They're out in the wilderness. They're hungry. I get it. They start looking back to their life of slavery going, well, at least we had food on the table, which we probably do sometimes too. We look back to our lives of slavery and go, well, I I had that. Of course, we forget all the horrible things that went along with it. But hey, but at least I had that. So God says, you want food? I'm just going to rain it down from heaven. I love that. (laughs) I love the nature of God. Like, okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. But in the midst of it, he literally says in Exodus 16, he says, I'm going to test Israel. I'm going to test them. I'm going to see if they will believe me to be a faithful God that will be faithful to doing what I say I will do and to bringing them food. And what he says is they're going to go gather an omer of this manna, which was like coriander seed and tasted like a wafer of honey. That would be interesting to try. Maybe in the new heavens and new earth I can ask Jesus, can I have some of that manna stuff that you guys, I was curious what it tastes like. But he says, just get enough, that Omer is just for today. But guess what happened? Some of them decided, well, I think I'll keep a little off to the side, which would probably be me. I'm like, you know, I'm the like 
pretty financially conservative. Like, I can see myself sinning in this way. Like, I can picture myself as being one of those ones that said, yeah, babe, but just in case we don't get quite as much today as we did yesterday, let's keep a little bit to the side, right? Of course, it bred worms and became foul. Because God was teaching them, no, listen, learn how to trust. But in the midst of this, he talks about Sabbath, and he performs an incredible miracle. If it wasn't a miracle enough that he rained bread from heaven, he says, on the sixth day, I'm going to give you twice as much, even though every other day it gets foul after one day. Isn't that crazy? Like, I would be like, really, God? Like, are we going to believe what Moses is saying here? Because that sounds a little wacky. Like, this, this bread, this manna stuff is getting old and stinky. But all of a sudden on one day, it's going to, this is going to happen? And it did. But guess what happened? Some of the people went out to go work. God said, listen, I'm telling you, enjoy. Like, I was just sitting there thinking about them going and collecting and, and, and him just being a father that's just like, look, get it through your heads. Enjoy each other. Be present with me. Be present with one another. Stop going out. I told you I'd give you enough manna. Yeah, but I don't know, you know, maybe, you know, whatever. Like, come on, come on. And, I, and it's so easy for us to go, duh, Israelites, and yet we do the same thing. Like, I, you know, right? Like, we're like, yeah, but, you know, I got, I've, I've got to work this extra shift, and, I, and, and, and I, have to, I just have to do it. And I would submit to us, are we, are we saying that God's not faithful to provide? If we're hard workers, if we're partnering with him, that he's not faithful to provide, that I have to do this laundry He's not faithful to make sure the laundry gets done, you know? If we live a life that's lazy and then we decide to have a day off, then yeah, it's going to get backed up and that's our fault. Or yeah, we're not going to pay the bills and that's our fault. I'm just, let's just be real. But if we live a life faithful to God, we work, but we rest well, then God is going to, he, he is faithful. That's what, he is faithful. You know, let's not have these like uh, Messiah complexes where we feel like we have to do and, and the whole world's going to fall apart if we're not, if we take a break. It's not, it's not the reality. What are we teaching people when we do that? To rely on us rather than rely on God. I would rather teach my kids to trust God than to trust that, that dad always is, is going to be there. Dad's always going to, to pull you through. Dad's always going to do this. No, God will. We have to trust, trust him. Trust him. Next slide, please. We mentioned some very practical things to do as we rest. And, and for those who weren't here, I'll just reiterate that I'm not submitting to a Saturday or a Sunday specific day that we have to, this set of 24 hours. I'm submitting that there's a rhythm of rest that once a week it is very healthy for us to join in with God to go, you know what, I'm going to be present with him and I'm going to be present with others. That's, that's my submission. You need to pray about it, reading the word, studying the word. And it's my conviction, and it's my disobedience, honestly, oftentimes. And I'm trying to work, and I'm trying to, to grow in this. But I also I mentioned several things like, well, what do we practically do? I wouldn't, I'm not going to tell you what you have to do, but um, I talked about going on walks and enjoying nature, enjoying God's creation, you know. Uh, maybe for those of us who don't get much exercise, getting a little exercise. For those of us who work really hard labor, resting and not, <laughs> not doing that. But I also mentioned, again, what I said earlier today, having meals together. It's like this is, so the Jewish people, I, I mentioned this, they usually get together and on Friday 
night, they'll have a meal together. They'll invite friends. They'll invite, they'll invite family over. But they're also not just eating together. They're discerning the presence of God. They oftentimes they have a liturgy where they're going through these things, where they're talking through uh, you know, passages of Scripture, and they're reminded of God and His faithfulness and all of these things. And I mean, we were talking about that, like having a dinner where we do that at least once a week where we sit down and we go, as a family, we're resting well, and we're going to discern God's presence, but also inviting other people. And I, I had this picture of takeout, because maybe you just need to get takeout because cooking and stuff is a huge deal. And cleaning up afterwards is a huge deal. When I saw how much Greg cooked yesterday, I was like, good Lord. That's a lot of food that he had, but he enjoyed it. There's a difference. Some of us, I enjoy it, but I don't, like, I don't like to clean up afterwards. That's not my thing. I despise that, actually. For those of you who like to do dishes, God bless you. I do not like to do dishes at all. But what it reminded me of is um, on Wednesday nights, we're reading this book. Greg had introduced us called Faithful Presence. And he, we've just been talking about the chapter on the Lord's Supper. And I thought, this is actually applicable to Sabbathing. And what he talks about is the need. There's three different circles. And the first circle he mentions is a closed circle that is a deep need for us to take the Lord's Supper together as intimate, close body of Christ together, right? Our, this community together, friends and family over together. But the other two circles, one very interesting one was he said, we should also have a dotted circle where we're not only taking it, and it would be like, let's just say, you know, uh, Greg's leading um, the Lord's Supper at his home. But he's not just inviting believers. He's actually inviting neighbors and friends and family to come and, and, and to participate in what that looks like. The third circle is actually going and being served yourself by someone else who's being hospitable to you. So I love, I love this idea. But I asked ourselves, like, when it comes to Sabbath, what if we did invite others to participate? with us, invited people over to our homes to say, hey, I take a day of rest. Would you guys like to come over for dinner and just enjoy being present with one another? Be enjoy hanging out. We don't say being present with. That sounds weird probably to someone that's not a believer. Use regular language, but just to hang out. That'd probably be a better word, to hang out and spend time with one another. See, there's a story where, I don't know, was it David that actually did the thing on Friday night? Do you remember? Or was it someone else? The Doing the Lord's Supper on Friday nights. It doesn't matter. So someone in the book, he's either talking about himself. It was Fitch. Okay. So he started having a Lord's Supper night on Friday nights for his neighborhood. And again, in opening it up, inviting people. There were believers that came. There were unbelievers that came. And at first he said it was really, you know, kind of messy, which is cool. It's going to be messy. It's going to be difficult. people Because they only did, not only did they eat a meal together, they took time throughout the meal to discern the presence of God. And it, uh, obviously we're taking the Lord's Supper. And over time, he said that they actually saw physical healings take place, that they saw people come to know the Lord, that they saw relationships restored. Like, it was a beautiful time that God brought a lot of healing. And I thought to myself, you know, we think of evangelism as knock, knock, knock. Hey, Jesus died for your sins. Do you repent and turn from your ways? And, but I thought, you know, sharing the good news, what great news is it for our neighbors to go, your God says that for one day, just enjoy yourselves? <laughs> Have meals together, hang out, recognize his presence among you. Like, if you, had, if you talked about that, like, to me, if I was an unbeliever, I think that'd be fairly attractive to me. Like, wow, that's interesting. That's a different way of doing life and then inviting others to, to see that life. But that, crea- that is being vulnerable, as Andrew was saying. That means that we have to be vulnerable. That means that we, maybe the house isn't perfect 
all the time, right? And we invite people over, and there's a little bit of laundry. I mean, Bethany, you've come to my house. You've seen it. You know, usually it's my wife does really well. She always does really well. So, oof. But there are times whenever she's doing well by putting the laundry up, and what happens? You toss it over your couch for a short time or whatever. You're folding. I mean, just being real. And sometimes you have friends that come over, and if we're careful, we're like, oh, you can't come in. You can't see this. But recognizing, no, we can invite people into our regular life, and they can see that we're regular folks. But that's just something to, to consider as we consider Sabbath. Next slide. Because what it also does is it's a signpost pointing to the ultimate rest that we have in Christ. So it's not only the rest that we have on a rhythm, that rhythm of rest and that desire, that desire for, for, of God for us to be people of rest and presence, but also the reality that Hebrews you know, 3 and 4 talks about entering into the rest of God, which God told the Israelites Enter, you will not enter into my rest, or talked about the, them going into the promised land was a place of rest, which shows me also that rest also has an element of peace, because he would say you have rest from your enemies. There's peace. There's these things that are going to take place. But as we rest, who knows what conversations might come up as we talk about why we're doing this and pointing towards people to say, hey, on the seventh day, God rested, and this thing ends where it began? with us entering into God's rest. And as I mentioned, I love the idea that the human story, we love the stories that end at the beginning. Frodo in the Shire, I said that a couple weeks ago, back through the wardrobe, but they're totally different people. And it's beautiful. And I think that that connects with our hearts because of that. Wow, Nathan was j- jumping and dancing. Were you doing that about those, about what I just said? Yeah, you guys. Which one, Lord of the Rings or Chronicles of Narnia? Lord of the Rings. That's what I thought. I thought. Yeah, anyways. But the idea that we're going to be invited back into that, that kind of cyclical thinking of we're going to be invited back into that rest is so wonderful. Next slide. I want to end today in Exodus chapter 33. I know I say this, but this is really one of my favorite chapters, and you know because I've brought it up multiple times here. <laughs> and I was just reading through it I would say happens chance, but that's probably not true. And I saw this, and I said, ah, I've read this many times, and I had, not, I had not thought about this. So just reading back through the book of Exodus and got to this part. This is, of course, if you've read this before, this is after the golden calf incident where Israel sins and starts creating God and bowing down before it. And it says that Moses used to go pitch a tent outside of the camp. And I put, a, I put an actual like modern-day tent maybe to give us some more modern-day thought about it, right? Like we th- and as he would go and he would pinch... Ooh, I've got to be careful here because people have really messed this up multiple times. I almost said it. Pitch the tent. You guys are really hoping I messed that up, weren't you? You're really hoping. Dang it! almost messed it up. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. That as he would do that and go out to the tent of meeting, he and God would have these conversations. And in verse 12 of chapter 33, Moses says, See, you have said to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. So this is Moses talking to the Lord. 
And then one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is this, verse 13. When Moses says, now if I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways so that I may know you and find more favor. And I just love this place where Moses is saying, listen, God, if I have found favor, I want to know you more so that I can have more favor. And I think about that even in relation to things like this, where it can be very easy for us to be like, well, whatever, or just kind of pass by, oh, that was a nice sermon, But if God wants us to know rest, if God wants us to rest well, we should say, God, show me your ways. Teach me your ways because I want to know you. And I want to participate, not just hear a good sermon, but God, if you desire us to rest, I want to join in with that. God, if you desire us to be a deep-rooted community, I want to join in with that. Show me your ways, God. If you desire for us to be missional, God, show me your ways. Where I just love Moses' love for God in this. Like, I see why God uses Moses, because Moses is just like, oh, I just want to know you more. (laughs) I love it, man. Ah, it's so good. And then this is what had caught my attention, is after he says, now if I have found favor in your sight, show me your way so that I may know you. I love it. He wants to know God even more. And found favor in your sight. Consider, too, this nation is your people. And then God's response is, he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And there was this deep connection, and then Moses goes on to say, well, if you don't go with us, we ain't going. (laughs) Like, there's a recognition of Moses that says, without your presence, we have nothing. All the things that we strive and try to do in our own strength are nothing without the presence of God. Even rest. Even if we try to rest well without his presence, we are going to fail. And I have to, I am preaching hard at myself. There's too many times uh, ministry-wise or whatever, I am just running and gunning in my own strength and just hoping God's coming along for the, alongside of me. Rather than, as I did this vacation and I'm learning to build this rhythm better into my life, my prayer life is becoming a whole lot less me talking and a whole lot more me trying my best to listen to what God says and discerning what he's doing. Because I found when I do that, it's so much more fruitful. And we might say, man, well, I don't have time to go spend and rest with the Lord in, a, in my tent, which could look like going on a walk with the Lord or sitting down with your word and at your coffee at your table at home and spending time with him. I don't have time, and I'm going to submit that we can't not have time for that. I won't be, you will not be as fruitful in life if we don't enter into that. I'm just, and I'm, I'm just so convinced of that, and I promise you, I'm going to eat these words. Oh, Lord, please help me not to eat these words one day. When my wife goes, you talk a lot about rest. You haven't been resting much. I mean, she's good. She calls me out on it. She has, and I'd probably need it. Like, you're so busy. You say that you like to take off on Mondays. Well, you look like you're doing an awful lot on this Monday. Well, you're probably right about that. Israel would only find true rest if they had rest with the presence of God. Which is why one of the reasons I think Jesus says, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and what? And I will give you rest. And he goes on to say, what is that rest? You will find rest for your souls. Like our souls become weary. But he was saying that, listen, when you come, when you are in me, you're going to find that peace that I was talking about. That he said, you're going to have rest from your enemies. You're going to have peace. That there is a peace. It doesn't mean that everything is going to go great and that you're never going to have problems. And of course, I'll say that every time. It's, it's, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it's the reality. But if we learn how to build rhythms of rest, and I, and I want to reiterate that I believe that that rhythm 
bleeds into, if we do it well, the rest of the week and the rest of our days. That it's not just a thing where we say, well, I'm going to pick a day and, and spend some time resting. I think if we do that well, if we submit to that discipline and we start to do that, and we're doing it intentionally and well, then the next, the, the next morning we wake up, we're going to have the Lord on our, on our minds a lot more. We're going to recognize that maybe during my lunch break, I just need to take a little bit of a break because my day has gone crazy. Yes, I have 35 emails, but I can take 30 minutes to just eat lunch and be at peace, chat with a friend, and just learn how to build that. And so that rhythm of rest comes into our lives. Lord, I, again, I thank you that you have, you have revealed yourself as a God who didn't create creation for us to be your slaves that did work after work after work and endless work for you, but that you created this earth. And in, in fact, you created it for us. And I thank you that you have taught us through your modeling of resting on the seventh day that we are to enjoy your creation. And my prayer is simple, that we would learn how to delight in your rest, that we would learn how to be present with one another, and that we would learn how to be present with you as we rest. And that, Lord, that we would practically, practically apply that to our lives and learn how to be more like you. And that's ultimately what we're doing. And that we would be signposts by our lifestyle by these disciplines, by these different things that we do, that we would be signposts pointing to you and your kingdom, to our neighbors, to our friends, to our relatives, and that we, they, we would invite them to participate in your kingdom, to participate in who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.